G'day folks, welcome to episode 106 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week we're going to follow up on a brief story that I talked about last week, which was uh, some changes to Linux Mint, one of the Ubuntu derivative distributions out there. And we're also going to have a look at uh, this Grub update that went out this week, or as I say, should still kind of going out, uh, follow up to last year's boothole vulnerability. And as well, we're going to do our usual roundup of uh, vulnerability fixes that were pushed out this week. So we'll get started quickly on those. Uh, up first, there was a regression update for DNS mask. So this was for Ubuntu releases 16.04, 18.04, and 20.04 long-term support and 2010. So this relates to an update that was done back in January. The upstream fixes for the group of CVEs that were involved in this uh, did unfortunately cause some regressions. And so then upstream developers had a bunch of other follow-up commits uh, that were then done in the uh, intervening time. So we've now backported those. So that uh, should fix those issues that a few uh, users were seeing there with DNS mask. Then we had an update for Xterm, and as well, I'm going to roll into this screen, uh, GNU screen. So these are both a couple old pieces of software been around for a long time. Uh, Xterm probably not used as much as it used to be as kind of the you know standard graphical uh, terminal emulator, uh, but screen obviously uh, does get used still a lot. In this case, uh, they were both around the handling of crafted UTF-8 content, and that could cause uh, buffer overflow in each case. Uh, the screen one was reported first. Uh, this was actually found by uh, or reported to the uh, screen developers by a system administrator who was running uh, the Minecraft server uh, under screen. And they noticed that users would log into their Minecraft server, would continuously paste this crafted UTF-8 content, and it would cause the Minecraft server to die. But actually what was happening was that uh, the behind the scenes, obviously it was running under screen. Uh, the Minecraft server was logging this crafted input and then screen would crash and that would then bring down Minecraft with it. And so it got interesting, I guess, that bugs are still being found and exploited by uh, kids nowadays. Uh, things haven't really changed uh, over the last few years. But then, yeah, when this was reported, uh, Tavis, o, uh, Tavis Ormandy from uh, Google Project Zero noticed this and uh, then kind of raised it on the OSS security mailing list and then found that uh, that Xterm as well was vulnerable to a similar input. And so yeah, both of those have been fixed now for uh, Ubuntu releases 16.04, 18.04, 20.04 long-term support and 2010, uh, the Groovy Gorilla, as well as for screen that was fixed for uh, 14.04 extended security maintenance. So if you are running screen uh, as an extended security maintenance customer, uh, you are now fixed with that as well. Then we had updates for the kernel. So this is for all the different kernels uh, across all of our supported releases. Again, uh, I'm not going to go into much detail here because it's the usual mix of vulnerabilities that we do see in uh, kernel updates. But yeah, moving on, we had an update as well for Python. Uh, so this was, again, for all the way back to 1404 extended security maintenance plus our long-term support releases and the current short-term or the current standard support release, should I say, Groovy Gorilla 2010. In this case, uh, two different CVEs were rolled into this update. Uh, the first of these was around an unsafe sprintf call uh, that was used to format doubles. So uh, this would then result in a possible heat buffer overflow. And it was interesting to see that other distributions took a bit of a different tack with that. We we went and patched this, whereas they said uh, that their you know, Python was compiled with Fortify source, and therefore that would turn this into just a denial of service because uh, it would be able to detect the buffer overflow at runtime and you know abort it in that case uh, rather than actually you know turning it into a possible code execution attack. Uh, we do also build our Python on Ubuntu with Fortify source, but obviously we don't want uh, denial of service vulnerabilities if we can help it. So we have patched that one. 
However, unfortunately, this did introduce a regression. Uh, the backport for this patch uh, did contain some issues. So then we had to kind of quickly roll out um, a regression fix for that as well. So that has been now fixed uh, for Python uh, across the supported Ubuntu releases. Uh, just a couple more to go through. We had an update as well for libtiff. Uh, two different vulnerabilities were fixed for that. Uh, both of these were heat buffer overflows. One of them was in the tiff to PDF tool and the other was an integer overflow in libtiff itself. Both of these being able to be triggered from crafted uh, TIFF input files. Uh, there was an update for bind for our extended security maintenance customers. So I talked about this back in last week's episode, 105, the vulnerability. But yeah, if you are running bind on either 1204 or 14.04 extended security maintenance, uh, this has you covered as well for that now. And finally, the last update for the week was for uh, the WPA package, which is a WPA supplicant and host APD. Uh, one vulnerability was fixed for 1604, 1804, 20.04 long-term support, respectively, and 2010. In this case, it was uh, another vulnerability uh, in the P2P subsystem. So this is kind of Wi-Fi direct, where you can have uh, Wi-Fi stations talk directly to each other without going via an access point. Uh, there was a use after free in that uh, that could be triggered. And so obviously, if you had someone within radio range that uh, could then trigger that, uh, they could possibly get code execution as a result. So yeah, that was fixed as well uh, for WPA. All right, and so the other big uh, update of the week that I haven't mentioned in the sort of rail, uh, roundup of security updates that but that actually did go out was for uh, Grub. So you may recall uh, last year there was a big update to Grub. Uh, it was dubbed Boothole, and it was around a bunch of different vulnerabilities that were found in Grub, and in particular they could then be used to circumvent uh, UFI Secure Boot because Grub is one of the components in that uh, chain. So if you can get, say, you know, code execution as Grub, you can make it boot whatever you want that's not necessarily signed or trusted as part of your EFI Secure Boot. And so uh, after that happened, then one of our engineers, Chris Coulson, uh, kept looking at Grub. He found an additional vulnerability. Then uh, there was some external researchers that reported uh, a different vulnerability to the upstream Grub developers. And so this kind of restarted uh, an effort to keep looking for more vulnerabilities in Grub and to try to find all of them and try to roll these all up into one more single update that could go out. And the problem with, I guess, Grub is because it is part of that uh, secure boot chain, a bunch of things then need to be revoked and sort of not trusted anymore, all the old vulnerable versions. So we obviously don't want to be pushing out lots of different security fixes for Grub uh, across you know, a long time period because that then means we have to keep uh, continuously revoking old uh, Grub versions and the like. So as I say, yeah, uh, sort of a six-month process went into this really to try and find all the remaining uh, possible vulnerabilities that could be found in Grub. So that involved a combination of fuzz testing, uh, static analysis and manual code inspection uh, that found as I say uh, eight different vulnerabilities were found in this but there were actually over a hundred different patches to grub uh, in that time uh, all related to this uh, so some of this was actually around actually fixing vulnerabilities but others were around kind of changing the way that secure boot works a bit in grub uh, in particular uh, to support a new feature called sbat which is uh, part of shim so it's a way of essentially provoking uh, different components in the secure boot chain without having to actually put it into the master dbx uh, list that is essentially managed by the upstream ufi forum but yeah so uh, because of this is a big change to grub and in particular the way that we are now packaging grub in ubuntu uh, the foundations team have decided that instead of say having different versions of grub across all of the ubuntu releases and trying to backport fixes to all of this this is obviously quite difficult as we you know each time need to backport you know say 100 patches onto a version of grub that's now quite old potentially in say xenial 1604 
Uh, that version is now nearly five years old. Uh, and so they're having a single version of Grub that will actually be across all of the supported Ubuntu releases. That means then that we can now support both the same feature set in Grub, but also obviously then doing security fixes and the like becomes a lot easier as well. So the packaging for Grub has changed a bit uh, as a result. And so we wanted to make sure that uh, this is rolled out a little more slowly than normal security updates. So this one has actually gone out to the proposed pocket in uh, the regular Ubuntu releases. What that means is that it's actually not yet uh, instantly available for you to install. You need to, if you, if you want to install it, you need to manually enable the proposed repository and uh, then you can install it from there. And we recommend that, I guess, if you want to test it. Uh, once this has seen a bit of testing, then it will go from the proposed pocket to the updates pocket, where then it can actually be phased out to users. So then over a you know, kind of 24 hour time period, then it's not just you know, immediately installed on everyone's machine when they go to do an apt update, but actually uh, you know, it gets phased out, say initially 10%, and then you know, assuming that we don't see a large number of error reports reported to errors.ubuntu.com, then we start phasing that out to a higher number of users. So it really means that we can be a lot more uh, conservative as to how this update goes out. And then finally, once that's out, uh, well tested, and then we have, say, the corresponding updates for Shim as well and the other pieces in this, then that will eventually hit the security pocket. And that's when we will go and uh, publish uh, an Ubuntu security notice as well. So yeah, expect to hear me talk about this again in another upcoming episode, just to mention when the updates do finally go out to the security pocket. So in the show notes for this episode, though, I've got links to a blog post, a knowledge base article, and a discussion on uh, discourse.ubuntu.com about this. Uh, if you want to find out more details or you know discuss it there, uh, yeah, you can check out those links. So yeah, that's uh, you know, Grub for this week. Uh, also looking at some old vulnerabilities, uh, I found it interesting to note this week that there was a report of the first uh, Spectre exploit found in the wild, and then how it got uploaded to Virus Total. And actually, uh, it's not the first time um, something making use of the spectre of execution uh, vulnerabilities has been uploaded to VirusTotal. Back when uh, the initial spectre uh, proof of concepts were being developed, they were all placed on VirusTotal as well. So there has been a bunch of stuff on there that has targeted it, but those were all relatively benign. This one is a real exploit. Uh, it's quite high quality. Uh, it's by default, it's able to read out the etc. shadow file. Uh, out of memory and it essentially does that by uh, spawning a call out to SU and that then means that the file gets or you know SU goes to read that in uh, into memory uh, and then it's paged into memory in the kernel and then they use their speculative execution attack to essentially walk the data structures in the kernel you know from the super block to the inode etc to then read that file out uh, very cool sort of stuff um, I've got a link in the show notes to the blog that talks about it uh, but also, uh, it's interesting to see that uh, in that blog post, they kind of say, you know, uh, attribution of this exploit is left as an exercise to the reader. And that's because uh, there are some relatively strong links all over the internet that actually say this came out of immunity as part of their Canvas tool. So that's, you know, a paid for product that contains a lot of different um, weaponized <laughs> exploits, essentially. And actually, immunity demoed this uh, back in a, a video a couple of years ago. Again, I've got a link to that in the show notes if you want to go and check that out. So yeah, I found that really interesting because uh, we've had uh, asked to our team in particular a lot, you know, we obviously have talked a lot about speculative execution attacks over the last few years. We've done a lot of work trying to get these updates out to users and a lot of people have noticed that they do then have a performance impact and the like. And so there's often the question, are there actually any real attacks from this? You know, are, am I really at threat uh, of these uh, speculative execution attacks? And here we can see you know, there really is a high quality exploit out there. It's relatively easily available. 
Uh, so yes, uh, I think this is a real vulnerability. People do need to be aware of it. And I recommend you know, having those mitigations in place, making sure that you aren't turning them off just for the sake of a few more cycles of performance. Yeah, uh, and lastly, I wanted to follow up on a story that I talked about last week, which was in Linux Mint, uh, some changes to how they're kind of doing security updates or particularly recommending users to actually be installing security updates. And so as part of that, they're changing uh, their graphical update manager application. Uh, it's now going to start tracking metrics as to how users actually do or don't install updates. Uh, they can then use that then to kind of, I guess, more uh, forcefully remind users to install updates or to maybe uh, you know, more strongly recommend you really do need to install these updates. As always, they want to have a strong focus on making sure it doesn't get in users' way and that you know it's there to help them. They want to employ smart patterns in that uh, to make sure it's you know not annoying and the like. And I guess they uh, you know want to make sure that users still remain in control of their of their computers, which I think is uh, you know a good a good balance that they're trying to strike there. But I think obviously trying to put uh, the importance of security updates uh, more front and center is always a good thing. Uh, they are still uh, formulating the strategies though on how that will work at the moment they're really just focused on trying to gather metrics so then they can kind of figure out what are the best ways uh, to encourage users for this but i think it's yeah it's a really interesting space to watch so uh, yeah it's really interesting to see what the linux mint developers will do next with that all right uh, so that takes us to the end of this week's episode as usual, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can reach us at securityubuntu.com. We are in the Ubuntu Harden channel on irc.freenode.net. There is the security section on discourse.ubuntu.com where you can find that uh, article about uh, Grub2 update as well if you want to come talk to us about that or ask questions about that. And finally, you can also find us on Twitter at Ubuntu underscore sec. So thanks everyone for listening again for another week. It has been great doing this all again for you. Remember, until next week, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.